Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Today's an interesting Sunday, and that is because we are actually celebrating um, a service that we were going to do back in November. If you remember back on November the 24th, we had a, uh, a worship service planned because it was a Sunday. We do that every week. Um, and we were planning to come together and worship and, and celebrate uh, some of God's faithfulness through the process of adoption because November is National Adoption Awareness Month, and we were going to uh, participate in that as a church because a number of our families here have participated in adoption, and so we were all set to go with that. But the ice came down, and we moved the service from November the 24th to January the 5th. So welcome to uh, National Adoption Awareness Month 2013 today. Uh, and we're going to have the opportunity to hear a uh, number of things, but one of the things we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the stories of God's faithfulness and adoption through a number of families, um, and we're going to hear six of their stories now. So join me. And for me, like Sabrina said, it's a little little different. Uh, I just really felt the burden financially, being the only breadwinner, have two growing boys to feed and her to take care of and home, and and uh, just really came to a matter of obedience for me. God just working on my heart about how I just need to just obey and let him take care of those things. And it... Through these touches again, uh, the sermon that you said a few weeks ago about 30 touches for somebody to come to salvation, God's kind of done the 30 touches of adoption for me through through relationships with friends at church, through uh, interaction with people in the community, uh, through God's word and just verses that really hit and kind of wore me down to go like, okay, God, I've quit letting this fear just dominate me and I'm going to just trust, uh, not stupidly but just step out and, and, and do what I know you're calling us to do. And so that was the trigger for our adoption. And as I reached that point of, I'm going to trust, Sabrina reached a point of, we want people in our home. And through prayer, which was a real key, just we became very unified in this pursuit of adoption. We laid it out in front of our children because we believe God's got a unity. And if our boys were like, no, we don't want, you know. But it, it was resounding how God had been working on their hearts as well to where they wanted another family member as well. And so just the confirmation of God through prayer, through that unity, through these touches, and uh, the insecurities really led us to start this process. Um, it was very interesting in September, right before that, we went on a mission trip to Haiti, uh, not really looking for, adopt, just to support outreach, and God just independently really just laid a burden on us that this is where we needed to be from, because we had been looking for the right place, whether it was DHS or domestic or other international, and just had the confirmation through that experience of, this is a country that we're called for. David and I have talked about adoption since um, 
many years, probably 20 years since we first started dating, like something we wanted to do, something that maybe we just felt a little tug in our hearts to do, and um, had two boys, just kept going and just kept thinking in the back of our minds, this is something that God's going to call us to do, and if so, when, because I'm not getting any younger, um, but about two years ago, we did, we were called, and we both just felt like we were, it was time for us, um, we've studied James, um, Jesus' brother tells us that followers need to look after orphans, and this is just our way of um, doing that and following God and trusting in him and that. Well, one of the biggest reasons we're adopting is that we know there's a little girl in Thailand that has does not have a mother, does not have a father um, that will claim her, and she needs a family. She needs to know Jesus Christ, and um, we just feel like we have room in our family. We have room in our hearts for her, and we just feel like um, God is just really calling us to her. There was a moment where I think we independently probably came to a conclusion that adoption might be right uh, for our family. I, so there was one evening in particular I went to Lisa and said, uh, hey, what do you think about adoption? And, uh, and unbeknownst to me, that was a fairly significant moment, I think. I had always been interested in adoption. I had um, several roommates in college and, and just acquaintances my maid of honor was adopted. And, and so it was kind of a dream of mine, but I didn't know if it would ever be reality. And so when we got to this point of, are we going to have more kids? If we are, what's that going to look like? Um, I just remember being out running one day and saying to God, you know, God, whatever is going to happen, we have to do this together. So I'm not going to ask Christian if he wants to adopt. I'm not going to say anything, but if we're going to adopt, he has to come to me. And so that was the moment where I was like, yes, we're going to do it because I kind of always thought we would just have a third child and that would be it and we would be done. And so um, that was a, a big moment for me. It was a moment of letting go of not having any more children, but also just realizing that that's what God wanted for our lives. The, the interesting thing at that point once we made that decision was all of the sort of excuses and, and fears that we could conjure up about doing adoption just sort of fell out of the way. And uh, I, I wouldn't say that at the time I felt like you know, I had the clear direction of you know, God's voice speaking to me, but in retrospect, it's pretty amazing to think about how all those things just, as we took a, an honest look at the process, um, it, it became apparent to us that we could do this. And uh, there was a moment, I think, where maybe we were out there standing and saying, look, we really have no reason left not to do this. Adoption is the right decision uh, for our family. So we took the step. We decided to adopt when uh, we were wanting to start our family, and it wasn't going as fast as we thought it should. So we put out some feelers and found a place where we could adopt in Chile, where we were. Um, we went October 31st. We got him January 1st, a couple months later. Uh, two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant, and he was born prematurely, so seven months later, we had two. <laughs> when our sons were going to college, we were, I was feeling a little uneasy about the empty nest, and God was laying on my heart to foster. So we looked into it and decided to go to classes, and then um, they gave us a few kids. We had a total of 13, and we ended up adopting two of them. When we got Katie, I fell in love with her the first day, and she was our fourth child. Um, I knew right away that I would like to keep her, but it was a process of fostering first, and she wasn't really up for adoption. Um, she actually came to us when she was one, the day after her first birthday, 
Um, they took her back away after she was uh, two and put her back with her mom for six months. Uh, and we got her back again for good after that. So it was lots of heartbreak, um, lots of wondering what God was doing and was he really going to take care of her. Had to let go of her, literally, physically, and uh, couldn't emotionally, really. But he, he gave back to us. We had people telling us um, that we're in charge. There's no way we could ever adopt her, just to give up, go on. And uh, yet God worked it out for us. That he, this was the child he had for us, and he worked out all the details, even when it looked like it couldn't possibly. He did what looked like it was impossible. But we didn't know what that was going to look like in our family. You know, you have four of your own kids and crazy work schedules and crazy life and trying to introduce um, another child into that, a child that you don't know what their circumstances are or their past. Um, it was hard. And I think it was hard for Ryan, even harder for Ryan to swallow that than, than me. And that, those were intimidating conversations to have early on, the idea of, of adding something that um, significant to our lives was pretty intimidating. Libby's a wonderful mother and she was born to take care of kids especially newborns so she has a passion and a gift for taking care of, of little kids um, I love to be around kids but she's just incredibly gifted at that um, it, as we talked about it over a series of, of months you know probably a couple years um, I realized that God had gifted her in a really unique way and that her her she was going to need me to participate fully with her in order for her to be able to use these gifts to serve the Lord. And so what I came to realize as we talked and I talked to, to others was that um, our family was going to do this. This was not something she was going to do. Um, but the truth of the matter was as a mom, she was going to bear the bulk of the, of the load of the everyday, everyday work and in caring for a foster child. Um, but this was an opportunity for me to help enable her to use her gifts to serve God. Um, and that this was an opportunity for our family to do something together. We turned our paperwork in officially on, at 9 o'clock on, on a morning in January. And we got a call at 11 o'clock that they had a child for us. And um, that child, for a variety of reasons, was not, I did not have a piece about it. And it was a really, really hard day because I didn't understand why God would take us through this process only to get to this stage and us just not feel like that was what we were supposed to do. Um, my sister said, God has a different child for you. Do not say no to, do not say yes to this because he has a different one for you. And a couple days later we got a call about a baby that is um, still with us that we've had for about nine months. And um, it was, I, he just needed me to trust him. And, and, uh, and we did. Fostering is not something that we ever saw ourselves doing as a couple, ever. Um, we had several friends who fostered and we thought they were crazy and that's where we kind of left it. Um, it wasn't until we moved to Oklahoma about two and a half years ago that um, God kind of started putting people in our lives, um, people who foster, um, people who have fostered and adopted, um, different situations that were kind of hard to ignore. Um, and that kind of got us started on the path of choosing to open up our home to foster. We had the means and the ability to be able to do it, and so we said, why not? And we took a big step. <laughs> Though we didn't, it wasn't all just one big step. It was actually 
really a series of little steps that we took over a long time because um, even before we moved to Oklahoma, we had known people that fostered and uh, we had done other work with, with kids that needed um, adults in their life uh, and it was just sort of one step after another and I feel like that's how the whole process has been for us. Those are some great stories, aren't they? You, know, you hear these stories about foster and, and adoption, and um, somewhere inside of you, um, your heart is warmed. You're, you're drawn to these stories. You, you, you want to hear about them. They're, they're interesting to, to, to follow. And you ever wondered why that is? You know, why is it that we're drawn to these stories? And we're going to hear a little bit more of these stories a little later on. But why is it that our hearts are drawn there? I believe our hearts are drawn to these stories because at its very core, adoption or orphan care is, is a Christian story. Now you hear these stories and you think, wow, I would love to have a story like that to share in our family. But the reality is, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then that is our story. We were outside of the family of God, and He has adopted and brought us inside. And what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. In those four verses today, we're really going to see that adoption is our story. We're going to see that that God has brought us inside of his family. And we're going to see that in a couple of movements from these verses in Romans chapter 8. So if you've got a Bible, open to Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. We're going to see a couple of things in these verses. The first one we're going to see is this. In Christ, we are chosen. Chapter 8. And we see it in the language that we see in verses 14 and 15. This is what it says. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, But you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the idea here is that we are called, if we have embraced by faith Jesus Christ, then we are called here sons of God. And that is not being a son of God by accident. There was an intentional process that God went through in order for us to be included in his family. The word adoption literally means to place one as a son, to place one as a child within the family. And that's what God has, has done for us. We weren't an accident. We weren't an afterthought. And when you hear all the stories that were shared uh, in, the, in, the, in the video earlier, what, what you heard in those stories was an intentional process where a mom and a dad thought, you know, we, we have a space in our family for this child. And so they initiated a process. They paid a price in order to take that child and to include them within their family, that they might be considered their child, their son, their daughter. The reality is for us in Christ, that is what has happened with us. God made a very intentional choice to invite us and to include us in his family. He paid a very steep price the life 
of Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for our sins so that we might be included as a child of God. We might be forgiven and cleansed, that we might live in relationship with him. Um, God very intentionally chose us and included us inside of his family. And it says that he chose us and he included us as a son. And that, that's not a misnomer. It's not saying, you know, it's not supposed to say son or daughter. Very intentionally, um, it says here that we were adopted as sons. That's significant because in the first century culture where this letter was written, it was the sons who were the, the heirs. It was the sons who received the inheritance. It was the sons that had rights and privileges. We could argue about whether or not that was fair or not, but that was the reality of the first century. And what we see here when it says that all of us, whether we are male or female, God has initiated a process. He has chosen us, and he has placed us inside his family, not just as someone distant, not just as someone, but as a son, a recipient of error, a recipient of blessing. That's what God has done for us in Christ. Those of us who are outside of the family of God, those of us who are far from him, he has brought close to himself. He has placed us within his family that he might bless us, and he calls us his son. So powerful when you see the language there. It's not just even some legal declaration. But there is a closeness and an intimacy that comes. It's not as though, you know, it's someone that adopted the whole world and suddenly there's seven billion that no person could ever really know, even if they could afford to send all of them to college, right? What we see here is that when we are adopted into the family of God, there's a closeness that comes from that. It says that we are able to relate to God and call him our Abba, Father. The word Abba, a very intimate term, more like dad or daddy than the title like father. See, we have been adopted and placed inside the family of God in a position of great blessing where we can experience as a part of that blessing a close and an intimate relationship with God. That's the story of all of us who have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, those of us who have embraced him with faith. We have been placed inside the family of God. Now, Adoption in the first century in the Roman world was, was not a foreign concept. Uh, adoption was a very popular concept. As a matter of fact, one of the most famous people of the ancient world, of the Roman world, was adopted. His name became known as Caesar Augustus. Remember him? Linus talks about him, Luke 1. Uh, Caesar Augustus, Luke 2, Caesar Augustus was adopted um, by another famous Caesar, Julius Caesar. He was adopted and placed within his family. You know why Julius Caesar adopted Caesar Augustus? He adopted him because he looked at Caesar Augustus and he said, th th that guy has a lot of skill on the battlefield. That guy is able to win a lot of battles. That guy is able to exhibit some leadership capabilities. And because of all that he can do, because of all of his strengths, Julius Caesar said, I'm going to adopt him so that one day he will take over the leadership of Rome and the empire will be in good hands. That was the way that that most famous adoption in the first century went down. But you know what, what we find when we, we look at the experience of you and I being adopted into the family of God, we see a really different narrative, don't we? We see a different story. 
See, you and I were adopted by God not because of all the great things that we offer, not because of all the great things we bring to the table, but we were adopted in, in light of the fact that we were going to do things that would raise the price all the way to the death of Jesus Christ himself. We were included into the family of God, not because we were perfect, not because of all the things that we could do. We were included because God just chose us even in the full knowledge of the ways that we would let him down. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says it this way, but God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have been included and placed within the family of God, not because we're perfect, but in full light of our weaknesses. And this is an incredible truth that we need to remember and hang on to. You know, this last week, preparing for this message and looking over these verses, um, I've really just struggled with just feeling inadequate and feeling sinful, feeling um, like, who am I to get up and, and to share this kind of message? I mean, literally, this has been some of the emotion that I've gone through this last week, thinking about this message and, and sharing it with you. And God so encouraged me this week with this, with this notion. See, I, I've been invited and included. I've been chosen to be a part of God's family simply because God chose me to, to be a part of it, not because I've got some great things to bring to the table. Um, and so when we stand up and we live the life that God has called us to, we're living it just simply as another son of God placed within his family. And if you're here today and you're struggling with those similar feelings of inadequacy and, and feelings of sinfulness and feelings of unworthiness, know that God's adoption of you, his placement of you within his family is not like Julius Caesar choosing Caesar Augustus. It came with full knowledge of our weakness. And yet God paid the price to include us anyway. See, in Christ, we have been chosen. But there's more. As these verses continue, not only does it talk about how in Christ we have been chosen, but also we see that in Christ we are changed. Say that with me. In Christ we are changed. Look at what it says in verses 16 and 17. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. You know, very intentionally, I think, the Apostle Paul shifts his language here. In the first two verses, he calls us sons of God, that we've been adopted and placed as a son and an heir, a recipient of this blessing. But here we're not called sons, here we're called children. I think that switch was very intentional. This idea of being a, a child is more than just a legal declaration. It's more than just whose last name follows your first name. The idea of a child is one of some genetic connection. It's one of some family resemblance. And what we see as we've been adopted and placed within the family of God is that far more than just having a legal declaration that says, oh yeah, you're in God's family, but God has actually done a change within us. It says that the Spirit of God is actually within us now, giving testimony to the fact that we are changed in different people, that we are be being shaped into the image, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. What an amazing adoption process that we're not just included, but we're also changed. So that when, at, at a cosmic level, when God looks upon us, he sees a family resemblance 
in all those who have trusted in Christ to Jesus himself. Because the righteous life of Christ is attached to our very core identity. See, when we talk about being adopted into the family of God, it includes us being chosen, but it also very deeply and intimately involves us being changed. And this is the idea that Jesus spoke of with Nicodemus. Remember in John chapter 3 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, if anybody is to experience eternal life, they need to be born again. Well, that sounded like a strange thing to Nicodemus and it sounds like a strange thing to us, but really what Jesus was saying is this, hey, if you embrace me with faith, I'll do more than just give you my name, but I will change your very identity so that before God, you are seen as his child, righteous and forgiven, not because we're good, but because Jesus was great and he is changing us into his image. You see, when we know Christ, we have been adopted into God's family. We've been placed inside of his family that we might be a recipient of his blessing and we might be changed into the image of his son. And because all of that is true, then we do not have to fear We don't have to fear God changing his mind. We don't have to fear one day God excluding us from his plans. We don't have to fear God running away from us in the future because God has made a commitment to us. He's adopted us for eternal life. And he has changed us in an incorruptible kind of a way. And you know, one of the ways that that maybe will help us to crystallize that is with a story. And And this story is about a a, a guy that that many of you probably know and his wife, and that's Jason and Amanda Oaks. Um, I've asked Jason and Amanda for their permission to share this story. I say that so that you know whenever I'm telling a story about somebody else that you're not terrified to talk to me for fear that I would then share it next Sunday. Um, They've given me permission to share this story. Um, But, you know, you might recognize on the the screen behind me this, this picture of these two empty chairs uh, Jason and Amanda, Jason was the, the children's director here at Wildwood for a number of years, and now he's a professor at Biola University in Los Angeles. And, and, but you know, God was working in Jason and Amanda's heart that they might adopt um, and that had led them on a path and a process to adopt two boys from Ethiopia. And they took that picture of those two empty chairs and they sent it out to share this dream and this vision about what was happening and inviting others to pray. And then a number of months later, when they were able to go and adopt Uni and Ellie and bring them home, um, there's this beautiful picture of the two boys filling the chairs. I love that picture, and I love this story, but uh, there's more to that story um, that's, that's really um, worth telling, especially in light of what we're talking about today. Um, you know, Jason and Amanda adopting from Ethiopia, that's a difficult process, and and you have to go through some training about what to expect. And one of the things they tell you in the training when you adopt internationally is that the children might have some, some difficulty adjusting, new, new place, new tastes, new, new sight, new language. And there might be a desire maybe to want to return back home and, and to be prepared for that. And so Ellie and Uni come, and, and they're in the Oaks home. And, and uh, Ellie and Uni um, would ask occasionally they'd say, you know, Daddy, are we, are we going to go home today? Meaning back to Ethiopia. And, and Jason, trying to be very tender with his sons, 
uh, said, you know, well, not, not, not today. Maybe someday, not today. And then a week would go by and, and uh, Ellie would ask again, Daddy, are we, are we going to go home? Are we going to go home? And he'd say, you know, not, not today, maybe someday. Well, one day uh, they asked again, and, you know, parents, we can relate to this. You get asked the same question enough times, what do you do? Well, you respond with just the cold, hard truth. And uh, Jason looked at his sons and he said, no, this is home. You're here with us now. And Ellie and Uni came over, and they just gave him this great big hug. They were so relieved because they had been asking the question, wondering if they were going to be sent back home. And Jason had misinterpreted their question as wondering if they wanted to leave. And that story is so powerful to me because it reminds me of the reality of our relationship with God. You know, so often in our relationship with God, we, we think, if I've I blown it enough times, have I done enough bad things that, that God will send me away? And we, we reluctantly go into our prayer life and we reluctantly read the Word of God with this mentality that God might be done with us, He might be through with us, He might send us away. But the reality of the fact that we've been adopted and placed in his family as a son of God is that he welcomes us and he says, no, with me, you are home now and you're never going to leave. Join me now in hearing more of the stories of adoption. My process of uh, what we have learned um, through the adoption process is um, through prayer. Um, just the importance, oh, I can't even express it, the importance of prayer. Um, prayer on like determining um, to adopt, to praying that our family would be united, praying through um, where to adopt or what um, way we want to, what field to adopt. Um, then just praying um, for our spiritual protection because once you start following God's will then you get attacked spiritually and it has been amazing just prayer and just God answering that prayer, God's protection. Seeing how God has proven himself so faithful and answering these very specific prayers and, and protecting us over prayers that we didn't even really know the impact of what we were really asking for and seeing those be answered. I think we finally put ourselves in a position where we're not comfortable, where I can't just take care of it all myself, where we have to depend on God to do these things. That he is revealing himself in remarkable ways and it's worth the risk. God has really provided. He's provided um, financially. You know, at the beginning, we just thought, is there any way we can ever come up with this, you know, sum of money? Um, he is every step of the way. We've had, you know, fundraisers. We've had checks show up in the mail. We've had anytime something was due almost to the penny, the right amount would just show up in our hands. And we just feel like that was provision that only God could provide for us. So I think a big realization for us, having adopted, is that we're, we're really not perfect parents, okay? And, and maybe that's obvious to everybody else in church, but uh, it's a good lesson for us. You know, a, a hard lesson, I think, for us is that uh, there are times where we have two different styles of parenting, and, and with, a, with a, um, an adopted child, that you have to be on the same page. And, and not only that, but um, 
you need a good support system too and, and uh, so it was really important for us to have a support system and we're really thankful for um, our small group here at Wildwood who helped us not just uh, by encouraging us but also with logistical support day in and day out um, so that was really important and, and uh, people like the Bendricks who have been there for us uh, to, to just be really supportive and help out as well um, that support system was really critical for us. I, th I taught in the alternative school before we had children and uh, kind of thought I'd seen tough cases, tough scenarios, you know, things like that. But it's different when it's at your daily life. It's different when it's you and it's your life and it's your time and it's your energy that it's going into something. And so I think that that idea of, you know, you think that you, you're going to pick up right as she came home at two years old and you think you're going to pick up at a two-year-old's level. And you know that, yes, they're going to be behind physically, they might be behind emo emotionally, um, but I think what you realize is that it's just a different scenario. It's a, it's a scenario that um, just brings you to the point of realizing that you're not in control and you have to um, let go of some of the things that you thought were really important, let go of some of the, the time constraints you might have or the things you might be able to do with a different child. And, and anyone who has a special needs child in that boat where you, you might walk out of Target 12 times <laughs> before you actually get the groceries or you know, can make it through the whole store with, um, without um, a child kicking and throwing a fit or doing those types of things. And so um, that, I think, really challenged us as parents. We learned that you know, it's just a process and how scared she must have been through that process. And so um, there's a lot of grace there for that, but it still is it's a long process. One thing I wish I would have known before we got into the adoption process as far as we did, and, and that is that has to do with your motivation for adoption. I, I think one of the things that's important is uh, you know, don't adopt because everybody's doing it, right? You don't want to, don't want to adopt. Um, because it's a popular idea or because it's a beautiful thing. Adoption is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing, but, but, but those aren't the reasons to do it. The, the reason to adopt is, is um, granted what we've you know, experienced in the day-to-day -day living and the long haul. We're a family of five now. It's, it's uh, you know, adopt because you want to be the best parents you can be, provide the best family you can for a needy child. And, and it might be a difficult child. And uh, you know, you're in that for the long haul. And, and uh, I think that's just a key thing to keep in mind. Um, that, that would have probably benefited maybe me a little bit uh, before we got into the whole uh, adoption situation. We've been given a gift, and she's, our, she's, our, she's a gift to us. And, and yet, when you sit on her bed at night and she sings, Jesus loves me, it's real to her in her heart and in her life that, that you, you can't help but know that she'll have exposure to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether she wants it or not, she's going to have it, and, and we're not sure whether she would have had that in an orphan. She's going to have education. We know that in China she wouldn't have had education because of her physical um, need, and, and she's going to have an opportunity to be a part of a family and to um, experience love and security. And so um, that piece for us, um, you you cognitively get that when you adopt, but it's it's beautiful to see and that helps you get through those points of this is tough and this is hard and we have a lot of lessons to learn but you know just watching her um, grow and blossom and twirl around the living room are, are things that are that uh, just have been a real blessing to us. One first thing I learned is that if God's tugging on your heart you go that direction. We weren't really completely comfortable with fostering when that was on my heart but we thought we'll just go to classes and just do one step at a time and I think if 
you have a desire of any kind and you think it's from God, you just go one step at a time and see where he leads you. Maybe he'll lead you there, maybe he'll just teach you something through that and lead you somewhere else. But I think just being open to God's leading and not be afraid to, you know, don't jump in all the way if you don't feel like it. Just a little by little let him take control. We've had an opportunity with her um, to be super involved with her mom. That was something going into this that we didn't envision that our role with her mom would be as big as it is. And um, we spend, I spend hours with her each week mentoring her and loving her. In reality, she has had um, a lot of the same circumstances that her daughter has, and she hasn't been taught those things, and she needs someone to show her Christ's love the way that all of us do. And um, that's, that's been one of the harder parts, but it's also been one of the most um, blessed parts of this process. One of the things that I think that um, is tempting is to feel like you have to fix a child, or you have to fix this system that's broken or this society um, and so it's been really encouraging to realize that God has just called us for a season to serve this child. If Ryan and I were operating in this out of our flesh this would look very different. This is, this is possible because of the Holy Spirit's work in us. It is not possible without that. It's just not. One of the ways that we've seen God work in this, we've seen him work in a lot of ways, but one of the ways we've seen is the response of the body and the people around us. People that bring a meal or keep our kids so I can take um, our foster daughter to visits with her mom or go to court or those types of things. It would not work without the body as a whole. So even if people are not feeling led or called to be foster parents, there's many other ways that they can help and support this ministry. I think that fostering is probably the hardest thing we've ever done. It's the hardest thing we've ever done as a couple. It's the hardest thing that we've ever done as a family. But God has taught us so much about trusting him and about relinquishing our control over things and letting him control a lot. It's been a great opportunity to teach our boys what the real world is really like and to really open their eyes to people who need help and who need to be served and especially little kids who are very much like themselves but they don't have a mom or a dad that can take care of them. And what an opportunity to show them what Christ's love is really all about. This is what we sound too good to be true You've heard about a place called home But there doesn't seem to be one for you So one more night you cry yourself to sleep And drift off to a distant dream where love takes you in And everything changes A miracle starts 
with a beat of a heart when love takes you home and says you belong here the loneliness ends and a new life begins when love takes you Somewhere while you're sleeping Someone else is dreaming too And counting down the days until They hold you close and say I love you And like the rain that falls into the sea in a moment, what has been is lost and what will be When love takes you in Everything changes A miracle starts with the beat of a heart And this love will never let you Could ever cause this love to lose its hold? When love takes you in, everything changes. A miracle starts. With a beat of a heart When love takes you home And says you belong here Loneliness ends And a new life begins When love takes you in It takes you in Revelation it talks about how at the end of days that uh, it'll be a book of life, and every name who is written in the book of life is ushered into eternity in the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but when I've always thought of what that, that book of life would look like, in my mind, it always looks like a phone book, just a, a list of names, all listed there, one after the other. And first service, I was just sitting here watching. I'm thinking, you know what that book looks like to God? 
looks like that slideshow we just saw. Faces and names, stories of his adopted children that he now gets to spend an eternity with. And you know, I don't know exactly um, what the application of this morning will be for everybody here, but um, for all of us here, one of the applications, one of the things that we need to take with us as, as we leave this place is to know that we have a heavenly Father and we have a spiritual family that we have the opportunity to be a part of, not just for a season, but for eternity. And any of us who have placed our faith in Christ, that's the family that we're a part of. That's the Father that we have, and that's the hope that we have. Um, and we need to appreciate that and praise God for it and thank it and run to Him. Just as Uni and Ellie and hug our Father. For others, though, maybe you have never placed your faith in Christ, but as you hear this, you, you long for that kind of security, that kind of affirmation, that kind of welcoming presence from God. And maybe God is calling you today to trust in Him for the first time and to trust in what Christ has done on the cross. But still, for, for others, maybe God is leading you, like many of the families that we saw, and you know, there's dozens more families like that at Wildwood, just some of their stories we were able to share today. But maybe God is leading you to, to have a, a part in uh, the adoption or foster care, orphan care process. Um, and, you know, that, that involvement could look a number of different ways, everything from just buying a gift card to give to a foster care social worker so that they can do their job a little better, helping out with a, a family that's in the process of foster or adoption here at Wildwood or, or even interested in, in participating in foster or adoption on, on your own. Um, whatever you are, wherever you are in that process, we've got a couple of stations set up out in the gathering hall today where you can go and find more information about all those things across that spectrum. Also out there will be a number of the families that you saw up and their stories told today where you can interact with them, ask some questions. I just get to know them better as well. Um, but before we dismiss, I want to pray for us. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to worship you. And thank you, Father, that you have chosen us and changed us and included us in your family. And Father, I pray today um, for those of us who have trusted in Christ, that today would be a reminder of the security that we have in relationship with you, and that you would help our hearts be grateful and encouraged that we wouldn't fear as a result. And Father, I pray for, for others who are here that today might be the day that they embrace by faith the work of Christ on the cross, that they might be chosen, changed, and included in your plans for eternity as one of your children. And Father, I pray for, for any of us also that you would be leading down this process of more involved in orphan care. Father, that today would be a spark in another story of your redemptive work in this world. That you would guide us and lead us and give us the faith to follow. We pray these things in Jesus' name.